Welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are going to talk about dealing with tech mishaps when you're presenting virtually. And oh my gosh, all of us have probably dealt with tech mishaps at some point in this world of virtual presenting. And our guest today is Amy Clymer. Hey, Amy, what are your two tips for speakers on how to deal with mishaps? Hey, Tom. My two tips are, number one, know your technology and how it all works together so you can manage it quickly. And number two, be able to communicate quickly with your host or your colleagues so they can help you. Oh, this is going to be a great interview because those two tips, there's a lot of stuff that we can learn from that. For those of you who do not know Amy Clymer, and I don't know how you wouldn't know her, Amy works with companies and teaches them how to be more creative and innovative. And she also works with speakers, teaching them how to lead virtual trainings that are super interesting and not boring. So Amy, welcome to Speakernomics. Thank you, Tom. It's so good to be here. So Amy, you've been doing virtual presentations for a long time. You were doing them before this pandemic came along, correct? That's true, yes. So let's look at this world of virtual before we get into the mishaps. What are just some of the observations you've had over the years about virtual trainings, like you said, to make sure they're not boring? I guess the biggest thing I've noticed is that for some reason, speakers who can be really engaging in a, you know, in person, they can just get really boring online. And there might've been things that they would do in person, like, you know, talk with the audience and have the audience talk back to them or put the audience into small groups or do activities. And then all of a sudden we get the virtual space. They think that we should just talk to the camera. It's like, why did all your skills and trainings go out the window just because this technology is in place? So I think that can be a little bit of intimidation there. Now you have a background because you have a PhD that has sort of studied the way people behave. Tell everybody about your academic background. So I have a PhD in leadership and change. And my kind of specialty within that is creativity and teams. So I've worked with a lot of teams. Um, I also have a master's degree in experiential education, which is where the training comes in. And I've led countless team building programs and team development sessions with different, vastly different groups of people. So having done so many of these trainings, both in person and virtually, and now probably hybrid in the world that we're in, I will tell you, you have probably seen more mishaps than a lot of people because you've done a lot of this stuff. So let's dive into this idea that a speaker is doing a virtual training and something goes wrong with their technology. Your first tip was make sure you know how your technology works so that you can act fast. Let's go a little deeper about that. What, what are some of the things you've seen along the way where people people haven't done this correctly and why it matters. So when I've asked speakers or facilitators, you know, what's your biggest fear with, you know, presenting virtually their number one response is I'm afraid of the technology and something's going to happen in the moment. And so my first thing is actually, you're right. Something will happen at some point. And it's not a matter of like, if it will happen, it's rather a matter of when it happens and just knowing how to pivot and how to respond in the moment. Um, So for instance, like your internet crashes, can you get on your hotspot in less than a minute and get restarted? 
So that brings up a really interesting example because you were one of the breakout speakers for the National Speakers Association Influence 2021 Conference. And you were there live on site because you were going to be on the main stage the next day, but you were doing one of the breakout sessions and from Caesar's Palace, there were so many people on Wi-Fi that as you started the, the, the breakout session, as you started that deep dive, the first five minutes, people were going into the chat room saying, Amy, we can't hear you. You're breaking up. It's garbled. And so you had a technology, uh-oh, right in the middle of one of the big conferences that you were doing. What did you do? How did you handle it? And how did you resolve it? So what I did in the moment when I'm getting this response, of like, oh, my gosh, Amy, we can't hear you. You're breaking up, is I... Uh, I worked with uh, Matt Longden, who was on. He was the, like, the Zoom producer. And I said, Matt, can you send everyone into breakout rooms? And I gave everyone some directions. And I said, all right, you're going to go into breakout rooms. And I gave them a question to talk about that was related to the workshop. And off they went. So they were entertained. They were engaged. They were doing something while I dealt with the problem. So then while they were in the breakout rooms, I switched over to my hotspot. And then Matt said to me, hey, Amy, we're going to let's redo this after influence still continue on today, you know, so we'll keep, you know, everyone who's there, keep them engaged and, and learning, but then let's redo it again. I'm like, Oh, great. Okay. So, which was really nice. Cause all of a sudden that kind of decreases the pressure a little bit, you know, this isn't going to be the recording that people see. Um, but that was the big thing was switching over to my hotspot, which, you know, was way better than the, the hotel internet. So the hotspot brings up an interesting thing. Was your hotspot the, the hotspot that's available through your phone or do you travel with an actual separate hotspot? No, it was just the one available through my phone. And that was able think, to work well for the rest of the broadcast. How did how did it all go? So it's really smart that you're able to send them to breakout rooms while you're taking care of the problem. I think that was a really, really smart thing where a lot of people would have just panicked and said, hang on, everyone, hang on. And then everyone is like, why am I sitting here? So first, the first thing is, I think that was a great idea. The second thing was while they were in breakout rooms, you were able to make that transition. Was the hotspot something you've used a lot? Like I haven't used my hotspot that much, so I don't think about it as the backup in sort of that same way. Yeah, I haven't used it a lot. Uh, maybe this is the second time ever. Um, but actually, I got to give credit to eSpeakers for the uh, the certified virtual presenter. I think that's what it's called. Uh, one of the requirements was that you needed to be able to, you know, get on some sort of internet if your internet broke. And so that was like the impetus for me to get my hotspot set up was to get that certification. And yeah, once... Now, I will say it's not something you can do in the moment. You do have to plan it in advance. I mean, it required me making a phone call to my cell phone carrier and changing my plan slightly. You know, maybe it takes a total of an hour, maybe half an hour. But then once once that's done, it's super simple. It's really quick. 15 seconds, maybe a minute. So. The other nice thing about this particular example is once you guys decided, you know what, we'll, re we'll re-record this so that it'll live forever in, in the, the digital vault, all of a sudden, everything that you did forward, you didn't have to worry about if the hotspot was going was gonna to block off or something like that. So how did the rest of the presentation then go for you? Well, the rest of it went okay. And here's why it didn't go great was there was another tech issue that most of the viewers would have had no idea about. Um, so I tend to maybe be a little bit tech heavier than the average person. I mean, I've got a stream deck. I use Ecamm Live, you know, things like that. And I love having a, an external monitor to the point that I knew I was going to present it at, you know, while traveling at this hotel, 
I was actually contemplating buying a portable travel monitor. But instead, I figured out I could actually plug my iPad into my computer and have that as the external monitor. Well, what I realized in the moment is um, the even though the iPad was plugged into my computer, it apparently required um, the same Wi-Fi connection. Well, the downside of the personal hotspot is you can only have one device connected at a time. So all of a sudden I lost my, uh, my external monitor. I had to share my slides the old fashioned way by hitting the share screen button and zoom, which, you know, definitely kind of threw me off a little bit. So I wouldn't say it was my best presentation. I don't know how much the, the audience members realized that. Um, but so when we redid it, I was at home and I was able to use that now since then. And I think this is actually important is that when something goes wrong, figure out how to prevent it later. So since then, I have figured out there's an app that will allow me to connect my iPad to my computer, use it as an external monitor, and not use Wi-Fi. So I'm experimenting with that and seeing maybe that will work next time. So this is something that I think is really important. You know, if it happens once, it happens once. However, if it happens to you once, you've got to figure out that workaround or the solution that you need to do so that it doesn't happen to you again. So if you can't figure out that workaround, I assume next time you'll buy that travel monitor or whatever it takes. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like as speakers, this is where we're heading in the future is that we're going to need to be able to be on stage in person, present, and then perhaps the same day need to present present something from our hotel room and you know, be able to basically have like a travel virtual studio. So it was interesting because I heard a lot during Influence about those types of problems that people were having with the Wi-Fi from their room. And on Tuesday morning after Influence was over at seven in the morning Pacific time, I was delivering a keynote to an organization in Texas from my hotel room and I didn't really have a backup plan. Now, fortunately for me, it all worked perfectly seamless. In fact, the client is rebooking me for next year, which is always a sign that it worked out just fine. However, I was petrified when I woke up that morning, even though we had tested it the day before and everything else, that it wouldn't work. So if this is going to become more the norm, what are some additional tips that you have for people as far as the equipment that we might need or things that we need to think through? Because like I said, you've probably done this more than most people. Okay, so... Two things. One, I'll talk about equipment. And then I also want to talk about what another speaker did that I thought was really smart. So first is equipment. Um, some of it, you know, will just be there available in the moment. So one of the challenges with pre presenting from a hotel room is just the physical layout, the lighting. So I, the night before I had, you know, trash cans upside down the desk with the lamps were on the trash cans. My computer was mounted on top of a uh, refrigerator. Cause I'm someone that stands up. Like I stand up when I speak. So I need to stand up when I speak virtually. And uh, you know, so there was, you know, it was just like this hilarious setup. I had like this stack of clothes that the iPad was sitting on. So I think first of all is being willing to just get creative in the space. The second thing is I traveled with my full tripod and my full, um, video camera. So, you know, I've got a robust, but 30 year old kind of cheap, but effective tripod. I just threw that in my suitcase that I was checking, like whatever, it's not going to get beat up too bad. And then I carried on my, my camera very gingerly, like I was carrying an egg, you know, <laughs> uh, but I even brought my stream deck with me. So I think figuring out what's the bare minimum you need to travel with to present well virtually. And then what are the things you can use on site? Like 
you know, maybe if the lighting isn't perfect, it's okay. But it's super important to have a microphone. So and I did the same thing. I actually moved the desk away from the wall into the center of the room and put it at an angle where the light through the window would give me the lighting. But I also didn't want the bed in the background. So I had to like adjust the angle to like a 45 degree angle and move things around just right so that you saw like, you know, the painting on the wall and like the couch behind me, but not the fact that I was in a hotel room. So I did the same thing. In fact, I put it all back. But if I didn't put it back, the maid would have wondered, what the heck was all of this moving? For. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely put it back as well and had like do not disturb sign outside. Uh, well, the other thing I want to share is another speaker that I thought did it handle this differently and really well. And that was Joe Mull. So Joe, I listened, I uh, watched his replay afterwards. He was really smart because, well, first of all, his session was in the afternoon. Mine was 730 in the morning. So I wasn't up early enough to do what he did, but he did a speed test in the morning and he realized that his the upload speed for the internet was too slow for zoom so zoom requires about a minimum for for at least for the speaker about one and a half megabytes per second and joe told me that caesar's palace was at 0.54 megabytes per second uh i'm not really i'm not really good i'm not really good at math but that's a lot lower yeah, that's a big difference. <laughs> um, and really, like right now, um, this morning I checked mine at home and it's at 11.5. And then later in the morning it was at 9.9. So it could kind of fluctuate a little bit. But you want it, like, I think on average, you know, around 10, you're not going to have any issues. So anyway, at, at basically half, Joe knew he was going to have some issues. So he just recorded the whole thing. He just, you know, he just turned on his video camera, hit record presented as if it was the actual live event, sent that video to NSA and said, Hey, can you just play this? And then he was there live in the chat. So he was able, so it felt like he was live, but he really wasn't. And he didn't have to deal with the internet issues. So I thought that was a great way to handle it. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I think all of us speakers, you know, who've been doing this for a long time, whether it's in person or virtual, you really have to become creative And you really have to have, you know, a lot of innovation to get through because things are going to go wrong, even in even in the analog world of being on stage with just one microphone and no PowerPoint, you still can have problems go wrong. I remember one time I was speaking in a hotel and the power went out in, you know, the whole area where the hotel was and it was an older hotel. So the ballroom had windows and so we weren't in pure darkness. And so. I just sort of kept going and there were maybe 150 or 200 people in the room. So I could project to where they could at least hear me without amplification. And I had to go through the the, the rest of the speech this way. And everybody thought, oh, wow, you know, that was so great. It's like, well, no, you have to be prepared for what can go wrong. And when we move into the virtual world, we just get more things that can go wrong. Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, we, we talk about as speakers that you should be able to deliver your entire speech without slides. And I think, you know, the, the skills you need to present virtually is similar to that and yeah. be able to respond. None of this stuff is crazy hard. It's just a matter of like taking the time and learning it and understanding how it all works. And your second tip is one that I think has so many different layers to it as well. And that is to be able to communicate with the host, with any co-presenters, with the, you know, I do a lot of MC work. So I always want to have a back channel with all the speakers so that if, if they lose Internet, I know that they're trying to come back or whatever. So what are some tips you have for, you know, being prepared to have those communications with your host, especially if you're not in the same room? 
which you usually aren't in the same room, right? <laughs> At least when you're presenting virtually. Yeah. So, I mean, this could just be as simple as make sure you have their cell phone number. I mean, even today before we got on our, uh, this recording, I sent you a quick text and be like, Hey, Tom, is this actually your cell phone? And you're like, yeah, it is. I'm like, cool. Great. Now we have this backup. That, that could be all. Um, I had another big mishap that was way worse than the first one. Oddly enough, also with NSA and my ability to communicate with uh, the other, with my colleagues, the other people presenting was key. So in this case, it was about a year ago, right after June 2020. So the pandemic was fairly new and I was supposed to facilitate a five hour session for our local chapter. And I woke up, I think we started at like 830. Well, eight o'clock, I realized there's no internet in my house, like nothing. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I text my neighbors. They don't have internet. Um, I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. And this happens. I live in the mountains of North Carolina, right? So this isn't super unusual, but usually it's back up like in half an hour or something. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go take a shower, see what happens. Nothing changed. (laughs) Taking a shower did not magically restore (laughs) the internet, Amy? I know. I know, right? Like, who? Come on, this is a good strategy, isn't it? <laughs> just well, that's that's my strategy for I'm not as tech savvy as you are. My strategy is just turn everything off and turn it back on, and you'd be surprised how often that totally works. It's it's true. That is actually the first thing to try. The shower, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I will say though, actually, I get good ideas in the shower, so maybe that's what it was about. But uh and also my my Wi-Fi, I mean my um my cell service was really low. Like it, I couldn't even like load a web page on my cell phone. So something was clearly going on. So anyway, I call our, the president of our chapter at the time, Evan. And I said, Hey, can you start the meeting? I'm going to, I'm trying to figure this out, but can at least, you at least turn it on, you know, zoom, open it up. And he's like, yeah, of course, no problem. And I was supposed to present in the morning. We had another present in the afternoon. I texted him and I'm like, Hey, can we switch time slots? So we figured that out, that that works, everyone's good. And then I realized I have a, a, a friend of mine about half a mile away. She had a different internet service company than I did. She had internet. So I'm like, great, can I come sit in your driveway and facilitate from your driveway? She's like, yeah, of course. And of course, you know, being the pandemic, I can't go in her house. Um, so <laughs> oh, I forgot, I forgot about those days. Exactly. Right. So I'm sitting in our driveway and, and everything is fine. And I'm, you know, doing what I need to do. I'm not actually presenting. I'm just kind of there managing the session. So then it comes noon where it's now lunchtime and I need to present in the afternoon and I still don't have any internet at home. So I decide, so because I'm presenting on how to, how to facilitate and train virtually, Of all topics, I need my setup. I can't do this from the backseat of a car. So I decide I'm going to drive home and I'm going to bring my studio to my friend's porch and set it up there. So I turn on my car or I try to turn on my car to drive home and my car battery is dead because I had my computer plugged in it it while I was presenting in the backseat. So then my friend, I was like knocking on her door. Can you please jump my car? She's like, oh yeah, sure. So she goes to jump my car. Her battery is completely corroded. And yeah, the, the, the tongue, the, the pinchers won't work if it's corroded. Exactly. Right? So she's like, Amy, Amy, take my car. So I take her car to my house. I load up everything. I set it up on her porch. I've got my external monitor, my you know camera, the whole thing. And then, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm giving the presentation all is going well. And this thunderstorm rolls in 
And it is like so loud that everybody can hear this thunderstorm, like lightning crashing around me. And anyway, the key there, though, was a couple of things. One, of course, was being able to get other people to help me. But also, I just moved my whole setup. And as I'm unplugging all the cords, I'm thinking, gosh, I sure am glad I know how to plug this back in when I get over there. And my question is, like, as a speaker, do you know how to do that? Do you know how to plug your whole setup back together if you needed to move it quickly in the moment? Wow, that that is a lot to think about. I mean, when you think about all the things that sort of went wrong during that one that one presentation for your chapter, but you know, what a great example to have been through it because as we said before in the last example, once you've been through it, next time you're you're totally you're totally prepared for that. But these are things that I think are so important and, and is why we wanted to bring this topic to speakernomics. This is so important to have thought through. It's really going through and dissecting what can possibly go wrong in this virtual you know situation and how can i solve it i had a similar situation where my neighbor i happen to know uses a different internet provider and i know i can see his wi-fi from my kitchen not from my studio and i had the same problem when i lost internet services i called and i said can i access it and i had to do my whole presentation from the kitchen table and and i couldn't move like if i moved more than a foot i would lose his internet but i was right in the spot and i happened to have known that from before so I was able to do it. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, definitely get to know your neighbors. Maybe that'd be tick number three. <laughs> so Amy, because you're an expert in creativity and innovation, and this topic is all about getting creative and being innovative, what are some other things that sort of come to mind as we wrap this up that speakers who are going to continue to do virtual as we move forward, you know, that maybe they haven't thought of that it's like, these are things you need to plan for because I believe in planned serendipity. Yeah, I I do too, actually. I think that, you know, there's something about, you know, being able to make changes and and react and respond quickly in the moment. It's so much easier if you have the foundation, you know, the software, you know, the hardware, you know how all the technology works. You don't have to be an expert in it, but know it well enough. And so, you know, if you have somebody come over to your studio and set it all up, that's awesome. And then have them train you in what they just did. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing is just like, just experiment, try new things. Um, you know, being able to, you know, send people in a breakout room while you solve a problem. I've actually done that countless times, not always when the internet dies, but like, Oh, I, I need to change something. I see a typo in my slide coming up, or I see like this activity I had planned isn't going to work. Let me think through something new you know what, why don't y'all go into a breakout room and talk about blah, 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 or do this one thing or, you know, giving the group something to do. Because even if you're, if you're kind of stagnant or or struggling for a, for one minute, you know, for 60 seconds, maybe two minutes, that's a long time in a virtual situation. So do you work with other people ever, maybe other speakers who, you know, you, you say, Hey, can you join me for part of this or or something? Do you ever have anybody you've partnered with when you've been presenting so that you have sort of that backup element? So the reason I bring this up is Eliz Green and I do a lot together where we MC together, but Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, when she was doing workshops, she would sometimes ask me, Hey, are you free? Can you join me on this workshop? And then I was there for two things. One is I could manage the Q&A so that she didn't have to watch the Q&A. But the second thing was, is it was a backup 
because even though I'm not an expert on her topic, I've seen her present enough times that I could then send people to breakout rooms with questions related to her topic and vice versa. She would come to my stuff and and be there so that if we lost Internet, someone was there to continue running the show until the main speaker got back. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't done that deliberately like Eliz has, but I that has happened sort of accidentally um, in this same example with NSA Carolinas, there was another moment in this thunderstorm where I lost power for about two minutes. And Evan, like, you know, he says like, Hey, let's have a conversation about blah, blah, blah. The name we just talked about. Uh, I had that with a client too, where spontaneously for some unknown reason, I still don't understand my computer just turned off in the middle of the, and it was a, a workshop that I was doing like a dozen times for them. And so she had seen it a couple, three times. And so she was able to just like, oh, here's the next thing you're going to do, you know. Um, so I haven't, I haven't done that intentionally. I do think if it's a, you know, really high stakes or important, you know, event, that that's probably a good idea to have some sort of uh, in-person live backup like that. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap this up, anything else people need to know uh, for ways to handle any other mishaps that come along in the virtual world? I would say just um, take some deep breaths in the moment. That's the other key thing. You know, trying to keep that heart rate down so that you can think clearly goes a long way. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. I haven't had a lot of things go wrong, but I do know that especially when it's, you know, bet your company presentation where you're doing a big high paid event, you know, any little thing starts to go wrong. You hear a a thunderstorm rolling through or anything like that. I know that I probably shave a year off my life on stress just living through it. Right? (laughs) So true. All right. Well, Amy, thank you so much for jumping on here. If those of you who are members of the NSA community and you have access to the digital vault, you should go and check out the presentation that she did as a deep dive at Influence. And the one you're going to see was the re-record. So it's going to be awesome, right? That's right. So, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. We love doing Speakernomics. I have had so much fun over the past eight months being the host of the show, and we're not stopping anytime soon. Join us every single week because you're going to get more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker and be prepared for any mishaps that might come along. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.